Hey there, this is Meg. I'm your host, and you are listening to Mental Status, a podcast about burnout for people in the mental health profession. Quick disclaimer, because you know that stuff is important these days. Uh, Mental Status is a podcast about burnout in the mental health field. It's for entertainment and educational purposes only. This is not therapy, and this is not clinical supervision. There are no CEUs associated with this podcast. Enjoy it and share it as you will. And if you're in a space where you're needing deeper support, please seek out therapy or supervision for yourself from somebody who is qualified to provide those services for you. Okay, here we go. Welcome to your your interview. Hooray. <laughs> How are you feeling this morning? I was just kind of checking what I'm gonna tell and then kind of feel excited, a little bit nervous, but yeah. very humble to share my story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty um pretty common experience for folks yeah. who do this yeah. interview. And I mean, each time I start the recording, I also feel nervous. So right. We're in this together. <laughs> All right. Any questions for me before we get started? Okay. Awesome. Well, let's get this show on the road. Okay. Welcome everybody to Mental Status. My name is Meg and I am your host. I'm really excited about today's show. I have an awesome guest with me today. And I just want to let my guests introduce themselves. So guest, who are you? Where are you? And how are you doing today? Yeah, sure. Hi, everybody. So my name is Yulia Golubev. I'm licensed psychotherapist in the state of New York. I'm running my private online practice. I, uh, I have several specialties. So one of my specialties, I work with perinatal mental health clients who on the different stages of their parenting journey, uh, whether they experience miscarriage or had traumatic birth and they try to get pregnant again, uh, whether they want to have some clarity, whether they want to be parents or not, whether it's some societal pressure that they should be parents, but they have some doubts if they, they want to go this route, right? I also work with clients who experience both post- postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, um, different adjustment to, par- to parenting and whether, you ha- whether the client have a first child, second, third, or fourth, each journey provides some unique uh, challenges and uh, that's important to talk and that's important to have some support and validation. Yeah, and another my specialty, I work with clients who are college students or who's uh, doing competitive uh, New York City academic program, whether it's a master program, bachelor program, PhD program, being a student is not easy. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's a lot of uncertainty <laughs> about the future, right? If you think mm-hmm. about your, co- uh, your college years, right? And, um, and it's all the questions, like figure out the relationship with your friends, with your peers, with your roommates, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're living on a campus, right? Navigate this kind of challenge, right? If you're away from your family or if you have, if you have family that has some kind of challenges in relationship and that started impacting 
uh, or you know, taking a toll on your academic performance, right, on your emotional wellness. So we talk about that, right? And I also passionate working with couples, couples who are parents and try to uh, reclaim the lost connection to the parenting journey in New York City. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And how are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling a little bit nervous, but also excited and mm-hmm. very humble to be a guest, to have this wonderful opportunity and to share my story, right? And yeah. to normalize some challenges, uh, whether you're a mental health professional or clinician, you know, at the end of the day, we also humans. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm feeling very excited. And uh, as I said, very humble to talk about this thing. So other clinician, other therapists, whatever they journey on career path, right, uh, in the mental health field, so they can hear uh, my story and kind of relate. Yeah, and say, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I was going through those things. Oh, yeah, I'm going through those things right now. Okay, so that's a normal thing. It's part of the journey. That's not some kind of pathology or nothing wrong with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that it's not a pathology. It's more yeah. like this is something that will probably, it doesn't have to happen to everybody, but it happens to many, many people who work in this field. Yeah, absolutely. And part of the challenges is also normal path of the journey, because I'm going to particularly share my challenge, experience imposter syndrome as a mental health counselor and how it contributes to burnout. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you know, imposter syndrome as a part, as a normal part of any career journey, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're a doctor, whether you're accounting, whether you're a clinician, when we start something new, something novel, <laughs> yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. We're going to have this doubt. We're going to have this critical voice inside of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that for yourself. Like as you began your journey into mental health, what did that feeling of being an imposter look like for you? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's even hard to say what was the chicken, where the egg, mm-hmm. <laughs> what, yeah. how it all started, right? And when we talk about burnout or imposter syndrome, right, or different career journey, right? We do not, I, we do not live in a vacuum, right? We do not live in the uh, in the bubble right we're also part of society and if society going through some changes right or if society or environment is not so supportive <laughs> we're gonna feel it mm-hmm. right we're gonna experience right so I, I think it's also important to talk about different factors that contribute I'm gonna talk about my personal factors right and also the environment yeah but yeah. that, uh, it was, um, I was in this time, right? What was going on there and what kind of impact it had on me as a clinician. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe you can start there. Mm-hmm. What, cause I mean, on this show, I do, I do talk about how there's the individual side of it, but there is like the, the factor of burnout is it is often the, um, the systemic and organizational factors that can amplify the way that we feel when we're burnt out. So maybe you can start there talking about what was going on around you in the environments and in society that yeah. contributed to burnout. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to start sharing my stories. Yeah, absolutely. So 
Uh, I start my journey in, in the mental health field in this country because I'm immigrant, right? Uh, when I went um, to get my master's degree in the mental health counseling and my first internship was in a substance abuse field. And uh, I wanna also say a few words uh, about it because this is also important or uh, something to know about my story. So I was getting a relatively new degree back then, master in mental health counselor in New York City. Mm-hmm. And back then, right, nobody knew who are the mental health counselors. So the field was mainly divided. Social workers was a uh, very established uh, uh, field, right, or career. Um, psychologist, whether you have, whether the person, the person has PhD or PsyD, right, psychiatrist. Okay, so this is, was very well established career path uh, when we're talking uh, a decades ago, right, in the mental health field. Okay, so I was, I was being like a relatively also new immigrant <laughs> coming to this country, um, like several years ago, right, going to the new field, being mm-hmm. <laughs> career being a mental health counselor right and back then I I remember like getting the internship it's already was extremely challenging uh, for mental health counselors because nobody almost nobody want to have us as a mental health counselor I remember like calling several places okay so tell me more who are you okay Mm -hmm. I'm mental health counselor intern sorry we just have so we just take social workers from NYU, right? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. It was where oh, we just take social workers from Hunter uh, College, right? Uh, again, I love social workers, and at the same, at the, at the end of the day, we're doing the same thing, helping, right? Mm-hmm. We're in the helping field, right? But there's this was this division, right? Us and them, right? Mm-hmm. In environment, and uh, this division also impact my journey. So I was lucky enough. <laughs> to have the internship and we didn't get any support uh, in program to get the internship we had to find the internship on our own just for oh, the man. challenge <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and back then social media was not at social media right now with all this opportunity so it's basically you call the places you talk to them and you kind of get discouraged okay if i'm getting so much challenge to find an internship what's gonna be when i'm gonna when i start you know uh building up career or finding the work or what what kind of career i might have so i already start started having these doubts right and as i said i'm an immigrant so my first language is not english right so navigating this pretty heavy doubts how i'm gonna conduct therapy not on my native language. Yes. <laughs> oh my I gosh. Will not understand me. What I'm gonna forget some words, right? Yeah. And yeah. also, um, how I'm gonna conduct therapy in the worst setting, right? If I was not raised in this country, if I, if I was not raised in New York City, so I have like really, really big doubts about myself, which again mm-hmm. was part of the imposter syndrome and part of uh, different parts of my identities, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was lucky enough to land this internship and I worked very hard and I get lucky enough, they offer me a full-time position as a substance abuse counselor, right? And like that substance abuse field was not uh, my primary choice, but again, I felt very humble for this opportunity uh, to help the clients, uh, to start uh, developing my uh, clinical skills, right? Getting my hours, right? 
and getting a foot in the door because back then, again, when I graduated with my master's degree, I share about challenges about getting uh, an internship. It was getting a full-time job was another big challenge, not only for me, but for all my classmates. Mm-hmm. Because again, uh, lots of places were not open to hire mental health counselor, right? And again, part of the environment which I have like very kind of mixed feelings, part of the field in the mental health field, especially for the beginners, right? Uh, Part of them want to hire fee for service. And fee for service, like therapists, humans too, we need to have our health insurance. Yep, yep, absolutely. So this is like where it started, like in in a... in the school, we all talk, oh, this is so wonderful to help clients, to be a giver, to be a caretaker, right? But in a way, when it comes to our needs as a clinician, right, we see how it's not taken into the real consideration. Mm-hmm. So the basic needs, not having health insurance, right? And we're not living in Canada, <laughs> right? <laughs> or oh, Europe. Part, part of the Europe, uh, Canada has universal health care, right? We live in capitalistic society, whether we want to admit or not, right? And health insurance costs a lot of money. Yeah, so that was like first bump. Oh, wow, interesting. <laughs> so that's why I was very humble to have this uh, opportunity to be a substance abuse counselor because I really need uh, health coverage for my family. My partner was not working at this time. And couple of months we have to pay cobra which lots of money and as you know as you uh, work in a non-profit world you do not make tons of money no no you don't (laughs) all of these challenges like i was at the beginning of my career path wow (laughs) this is wonderful like in quotes like (laughs) (laughs) right for the audience who couldn't see she did air quotes around wonderful yeah this is wonderful thing like what's Uh going on (laughs) Yeah. yeah, so this is like was like very sobering moment for me, right? Mm-hmm. And I was the breadwinner for several years because that was a re- economic recession like decades ago. My partner was not working. I also was a parent, you know. So being a parent or living in New York City, it's not cheap. No, not at <laughs> right? all. It's extremely expensive, right? And when you work in nonprofit and you make some decent salary. And there's so many obligations and responsibility and caseloads, right? Mm-hmm. That's uh, starting um, taking a toll on me. Absolutely. And how it started taking a toll on me, I started experiencing some burnout, right, in several years. And <laughs> the funny thing, <laughs> or the interesting things that's always I hear from my clients, oh, the interesting thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not so interesting thing, right? But <clears throat> sorry, the thing was that I was not even aware that it's burnout. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what's uh, been happening with me, I started developing some somatic symptoms, right, in my body, some different pain symptoms. And I was going from one specialist to another specialist, doing all kinds of tests, like MRI, like um, different kinds of tests, like blood tests, right? And I remember I was going like from one specialist to another. I, I think I saw like five or six different specialists, like different parts of the body specialists. Mm-hmm. And they all say, it looks normal, like nothing abnormal, but the pain was really bad. 
I remember it was painful for me to sit, right? So, and I remember I was going to the physical therapy and the physical therapist said, so, so what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a social worker in a substance abuse clinic. She said, oh, well, oh my God, that's so stressful. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh-huh. This is what's my denial, right? Or disbelief. Like I was not even like put together, like what's going on, right? Yeah. Another thing how it uh, got manifested is I started, it definitely started to have not only impact how I was feeling in my body, but definitely impact how I was feeling emotionally, right? So if Monday was coming, I was not so excited. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. And internally, and it's again, I'm not sure what the chicken or the egg, uh, imposter syndrome, lack of support of the environment, right? definitely burnout right I started to feel powerless and helpless mm-hmm. so powerless and helpless in mean I did not see what I can do about it right how can help myself to get out from this condition right and from this environment right I didn't yeah. have any beliefs in myself and also I was uh, starting developing a very negative view of myself as a counselor, as a therapist, because here I am, you know, talking about my identities, right? Heterosexual white woman with an accent, right? Who was not raised in this country, who was not raised in New York City, right? Working in a very diverse setting, right? In New York City, right? And also uh, 99% of uh, my clients was mandated for the treatment. Mandated means um, whether a probation officer mandated them, right? Whether they had a history of incarceration, parole officer mandated or uh, ACS, um uh and the, does it is it the same acs for every state or should we uh should they say what it does mean ACS? yeah i'm not sure what acs is acs in new york state means um child protective services ah sure so in indiana it's called dcs oh yeah so that's yeah why I or cps it, have, yeah okay yeah, we're gonna have listeners mm-hmm. from different states so it's important yeah <laughs> yeah out, yeah all this acronyms in the mental health. I know health. so many acronyms, <laughs> <laughs> so many. <laughs> right, right. So adult protect, uh, protective services, different kinds of treatment courts, right? And thinking back what was happening a decade ago, like it's kind of paralyzing on one, on one hand and because what's been happening back then, so these clients... Uh, majority of them was in the treatment because whether they smoke weed or whether it was selling weed, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, it, uh, majority of the clients was a person of color, right? Mm-hmm. So thinking back, kind of revisiting back what was happening there, I was kind of telling myself, oh my God, this is like really uh, examples of oppression. Mm-hmm right okay and weed was so criminalized back right selling weed smoking weed (laughs) yeah of all things right now right can you imagine the client would have to be mandated to attend groups five days per week and commuting from bronx to manhattan and in the late they cannot attend the group and all this commute experience right or some days 
they were not able to get the MetroCard, right? All the financial pressure, mm-hmm. right? Even buy MetroCard, right? Uh, from a personal privilege, oh, MetroCard, right? What's so big, right? But for them, it was a really big thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So like thinking back, <laughs> right? Uh, from today perspective, like, wow, it, it was it kind of, I'm thinking the environment was set up in a way to fail a counselor and the client, right? Mm-hmm. And on the top, the counselor would have to supervise the toxicology result, right? And because it's mandated treatment, we had to report the toxicology, all that tendons, right? Or to the referral source, right? Whether it's yeah. probation or parole or ACS and ACS, again, uh, uh, child protective services, right? The female clients will will, uh, would have a case if the, some of them, for example, majority, right? Smoking weed. <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. it, it sounds very trivial, right? But this is the position I was put, right? Right. And again, talking about powerless and helpless, helplessness, right? Uh, feeling helpless. I didn't have a choice w- what clients we would like to admit, right? I didn't, I didn't have a choice to make decision what the treatment's going to be, right? Or what's going to be uh different um variables of treatment right because i'm counselor and part of the clinic i have to report mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes i was put it's already power dynamic right i'm coming from the privilege i'm a white heterosexual woman sitting in front of diverse client and all this stipulation right it was not something that was contributed to the treatment not saying that i we didn't have a success story of course we had a success story right However, if we go into the uh, research study, right, or if we're gonna uh, see the statistic, right, substance abuse has a lot of reoccurrence rate, yeah. right? Yeah. So why is that? <laughs> right? Well, I think you've yeah. probably outlined a lot of reasons why. Yeah. Like, so why? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Interesting. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. Quote unquote, right. So this is again the part of the environmental right uh, influence I experience right and part of my uh, personal right inter- uh, uh, insight right doubts right that I mentioned at the beginning like conducting therapy in English right mm-hmm. in different right all of that right definitely take a toll on me Absolutely. and another factor which was also very important to mention right being in a, a mental health counselor in New York City back then, there was not so much opportunities, right? So I was hearing from my peers, like some horror stories about working in outpatient mental health clinics. So whether they want to switch to work in the mental health to have even more, even higher caseload and notes, probably no. <laughs> and again, we're talking, what does it mean to be a clinician in capitalistic society, right? So a lot of this clinic they will say, oh, we're just going to hire for fee-for-service. Like, nobody cares if you have a family, partner, or yourself. <laughs> yeah, if you need uh, health coverage, we don't know what is that. You're just fee-for-service. If the clients show up, you get money. If they do not, I don't yep. know what you get. Yeah, pretty coverage, much. No location. I don't know what this is things about, right? Sick days, no. So that was not something I was even considering, right? And again, it was very limited. And it changed, it's luckily changed in the five years, right? Different career paths for mental health clinician, whether you're a mental health counselor, social worker, right? Uh, the field 
becoming so diverse and there's so many opportunities, right? Not only limited to the clinic, so which is a beautiful thing, right? Mm -hmm. But back then that was also part of my helplessness, right? Yeah. And again, I wanna uh, point out my doubts, right? Uh, private practice opportunity existed even back then but yeah even to think me starting private practice <laughs> right. no, like it was so scary because again I had this very challenging experience by right? being a counselor in this kind of setting so this not contribute to my positive beliefs I can I, I can be uh, a therapist right, right. this very kind of not confident perception of myself of my Mm-hmm. yeah and you know I feel like for myself I've had similar feelings um, I've talked on the show before about how like I've worked in nonprofit settings and I've worked um, I, I mean I currently work for a group practice and you know during internship I was at a substance use rehabilitation facility and I worked at a partial hospitalization program and so when you're when you're as a new clinician brought up in those systems just like everything you were talking about, how you didn't really get to decide the types of clients that you saw, you were mandated to report the toxicology reports, which for me, like thinking about that now is like, oh, that feels so antithetical to everything that it stands for. But when you're brought up in these systems, that's what you learn early on. And so to step out of that role and to say, oh, I can, I can be a private practitioner and do therapy in a way that makes me feel good. Right. Like that almost feels like you're breaking the rules a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> like, so like you're just like, I feel like yeah. I'm supposed to be doing something and, and I'm not yeah. like, I don't have to report toxicology. I don't have to exactly. do all of this paperwork. Yeah. Right. And also this transfer and this content transference, right. I remember hearing not from every client. <laughs> I didn't want to, yeah. No, from some from some clients right because they're mandated uh i'm the white again heterosexual woman with the accent uh they are the client uh, the, the uh, person of colors right they're mandated uh, again it's again experience it's very kind of a traumatizing experience right mm-hmm. they was arrested or they was mandated right because of, of the racist oppression and now they have to be in the treatment and it's not their choice, right? <laughs> and yeah. maybe working with a, cl- a counselor, right? Mm-hmm. They also kind of feel mandated, we're kind of stuck in yeah. this uh, mandation, right? <laughs> together, right? We're in this together, right? And so like I was hearing here and there, oh, you just for your paycheck. And mm-hmm. I was kind of starting to like, oh my God, what if I'm here for my paycheck? <laughs> right? Oh, right. I remember I was having some training and some staff member said, oh, if you're in the social work, social work field and you're here for the money, this is the wrong field. You're not going to get money. You're not going to make money in social work field. And this is kind of stuck with me. Like, wait a second. Wow. I'm not right. here for the money. Okay. That's interesting because all other professions do receive their paycheck right? <laughs> to right. pay their bills, right? But they also provide other valuable service, whether you're a doctor, right? Accounting, right? Lawyer, teacher, teacher mm-hmm. also get paycheck, right? Yeah. So in a way, I was kind of did not feel good about it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm in the wrong field. <laughs> Do I hear these things? Like what's going on, right? Yeah. And I was 
it was also contribute to my mindset when it comes to my to money right first of all as an immigrant right the scarcity mentality right when it comes to money right and also definitely hear this uh, messages uh not something that uh, boost my confidence as a clinician right mm-hmm. how to help myself right first of all because i have to help myself than other <laughs> clients right and that was the realization through my career. I cannot give something back if I do not have something for myself. I cannot give something back or share from empty cup in myself, right? If I'm experiencing um, self-doubts, don't feel good about myself, it's going to manifest it mm-hmm. directly or indirectly in a therapy room, right? My yeah. posture, my tone of voice, my confidence, right? I cannot say it, right? But it's definitely like a big pink elephant in the room, right? And, I, and again, as, as I started my uh, own individual therapy with the right therapist, I started tackling this issue, right? Of insecurity, doubts, right? confidence. And today I'm in such a um, different place where I was, right? Because mm-hmm. first of all, I help me, not help myself, I still helping myself. <laughs> like every week I'm helping myself, right? Mm-hmm. So, the fact that I know I'm going to talk to my therapist, it's like a healing factor, right? During the week, whatever I'm going through, whether some personal challenges, right? Because we're human and wearing different hats outside of the therapy room, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether some uh, challenges, right? The stuck point, right? Uh, while I'm being a therapist, I know I'm going to talk about, I'm going to get support, I'm going to tackle, I'm going to see my stuck point, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get validation. So I'm not alone in this yes <laughs> and they yes. are still so invaluable right so powerful yeah. right that i'm not alone yeah and uh, yeah so going back hearing these messages about money yeah really they're, also start impacting me back there yeah very powerful messages about money and i mean i've i've talked with folks about that i've thought about that for myself as well like what what messages do we receive about right. what it means to be a helper and, and to be paid for that? Right. It like, there's this idea and I feel like it's changing a little bit, but there's still a large portion of the population that thinks it is inherently um, unethical or selfish to request fair pay and a living wage for doing the work right. that we do, which right. like, after a certain point, it's like, really? Like, <laughs> uh, so true, right? But at the same time, we need to acknowledge it's changing. And again, this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, work what you do, <laughs> uh, hosting this podcast, it's so valuable, right? Uh, because that's how the clinician, right, therapist, or whoever working in the mental health field can get validation and normalize this challenging challenges, right? And maybe come up with some this. A decision for this, themselves, right? Or what's going to be the first step? I'm going to help myself, right? Mm-hmm. It can be something internal. I'm going to start validating myself. I'm going to start acknowledging my strengths, not only focusing on my weaknesses, right? Or maybe I'm going to start my personal therapy, right? Or maybe I'm going to have a step outside of my comfort zone, right? In the career mm-hmm. path, right? It's all or also learning, right? Or confidence, as a clinician or any career path, right? It's not happening um, when you're by yourself. It's right. happening in the groups, right? So 
just hearing other professionals going through this and this is a normal thing <laughs> it is normal uh, yes yeah. uh, unfortunately normal but it is normal yeah um, and again going back to this money thing right think yeah. about i'm thinking about right you go to the doctor and you make an appointment right you thank the doctor right but this is not the first thing that you say oh are you here for the money right <laughs> right. right oh why in this field right so it's yeah. like lots of respect right so again we can build this respect for ourselves right by um working on our confidence right working on um or recognizing that we provide very valuable services the services is very important right we basically save in the life right? yeah. every day every minute right and mm-hmm. we deserve we deserve have basic needs we deserve health coverage but deserve decent pay mm-hmm. <laughs> we deserve vacation we deserve yes. self-care yeah. because it, and again going back to my identities right what was it like for me being in the immigrant woman right a female in non-profit world <laughs> yeah that's right. yeah so again i'm coming from my privileged background I don't get me wrong, I'm a white woman, right? Heterosexual woman, right? But the environment, it doesn't mean the environment was supportive to me to succeed. I also experienced uh, some challenges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think that um, it's hard for me at this point to sort of separate our, not just being able to take care of ourselves in the, the spheres of, self-care or physical health, but like the financial health aspect of it, it's really hard for me to separate financial well-being from overall well-being. Cause if we are stressed about being able to take care of ourselves financially and afford our basic needs, and that in a lot of ways is a very systemic thing. Um, cause it's top down ultimately like with, you know, legislation and insurance and all this stuff kind of putting pressure down on us. Yeah, it's just, it's hard to see those things as separate. Right, so true, right? And financial burnout is a thing, right? And again, it's so hard to differentiate where the emotional background uh, burns, sorry, uh, burnout, where it's financial, right? Mm -hmm. If we take care of our emotional well-being, maybe it's going to be easier for us, right? To tackle the financial burnout or vice versa, right? If we're going to tell ourselves, you know what? I deserve to show up for myself. I deserve to invest in myself. And that was part of my scarcity mentality, right? Being an immigrant, uh, being the breadwinner for several years, right? Because of economic recession, uh, working in the nonprofit world, right? Hearing these messages, oh, you're here for the money. <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. right? So that definitely was very big stuck point. Wow. Can I even show up for myself? Can I invest in a, a good therapist, a great therapist? Maybe not for insurance panel, right? Maybe invest my finance. And I didn't have lots of finance back then, right? It was very tight. But again, if we make this step, not an ordering step, kind of thinking out of the box and see, okay, this is where it's going to lead, right? In the five years or the 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. What's going to impact? Maybe I'm not going to experience like today, tomorrow in, in a week, right? But in the long run, right? what creates this sustainability 
to be a mental health clinician, right? A big clinician, right? Mm -hmm. Because we work in, in such a unique field that if we're not taking care of ourselves, right? Who's gonna do it? If not us. And uh, we live in a capitalistic society, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. environment's yeah. not gonna be always there for us, unfortunately, right? And how we recognize, how we not delegate, oh, the agency is going to take care of me, or they're going to give me a raise, or maybe not, or they're going to give me this. Yeah. How we recognize that, right, the different also power dynamic that definitely take place in nonprofit world, right, mm -hmm. where the beginner wor uh, uh, workers, right, whatever past they have with your clinician or teacher, right, do not make a tons of money, right? And there is a huge discrepancy right? what the uh, CEO make, right? And what's the, be uh, the beginner of the career, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like having to learn how to still maintain a sense of wellness and joy and self-efficacy and like right. personal, being your own personal right. self within a system that isn't designed to necessarily help with that and of course that's a generalization i'm sure there are there are organizations that genuinely provide for and care for their workers um and i think that you know this podcast probably wouldn't exist if those types of organizations were prevalent and right. if there were more of those versus less like they seem like the exception to the rule at least in my Right. My limited view of that world. Right. Um, so true. So true. Because my next uh, career uh, stop was crisis uh, call center in New mm -hmm. York City. And again, it was such a different experience. Okay. Based on the setting, right. Based on the uh, task I was doing, I was not uh, doing so much paperwork and I feel so much connection with the callers and the callers were very appreciative. So I was kind of like every day I was going to work, kind of running to work. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, I'm saving life basically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The case, right? I'm doing so important. Like right? oh, hearing at the end of the call, the workers say, wow, thank you. Thank you so much. Right. Or having a different amount of support that I, that was so important, right? Mm -hmm. Whether a, a group supervision, right? Having a relationship um, with the peers that was so invaluable to me, right? Mm -hmm. And again, that's a setup, right? I was not uh, have to mandate the toxicology result. <laughs> I didn't have to mandate reporting. It was voluntarily thing, not involuntarily. Mm -hmm. right? So again, I was, again, uh, wearing the same hats with my identity, right? Um, part of the identity they were not able maybe to see like maybe they were able to hear my accent right that I'm a female right and again I was uh, working with again very diverse set of callers right who was calling hotline but again the setup was so different right I was not stuck on they were not stuck with me right yeah yeah it, it was voluntarily thing to them to call and get support no one did mandating that right mm -hmm. And they was getting what they want, what they needed, the support, some resources, right? How they can help themselves, how they connect themselves to the care of future treatment or therapy. And they was getting there, right? So the setup plays such an important role. What's yep. going to be good for one clinician, maybe not good for another clinician, right? Mm 
Right. And let's start normalizing, right? Because sometimes you hear, oh, if you would not work it in this setting, <laughs> you're not a true clinician, right? Career Pass has so many different stops, has so many diversity, right? In the mental health field, right? And that's a beauty. We don't have is. to work in one place. We can work in a different place. And yeah, what would work for you? And Absolutely. I found what was working for you, the setting. And then later, uh, my next step was managed care company. Also, the setup was hybrid work. As a parent, it's so important working from home, but also going to the field, like hospital, communities, um, parks, right, apartments, sometimes mm-hmm. outpatient clinics, right, with a peer support specialist. That was so invaluable experience, right? And building connection with the members who experience like multiple hospitalizations, doing different variety of tasks, crisis counseling, right? Supported some elements, supportive therapy, right? Some human connection, right? And connecting them to the care. And again, it was such an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such an amazing experience, like being able to connect with people when you have a choice, because back then, I had a choice if we, if we compare my first job, right? I had a choice how to maneuver, how yeah. to maneuver. And I, again, I was not have to Monday uh, report. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and that just- The member could be multiple times, right? Right, right. And that's okay. We, I can uh, meet the member where they at, right? Emotionally mm-hmm. and still connect and still encourage them to take care of themselves. And what's an amazing uh, feelings uh, I had when we connect uh, one member who has multiple hospitalization. Basically this member was living in a hospital. The the hospital workers knew him, (laughs) right? And when we connected him to the care, and he was so happy and we were so happy. And yeah, that feels amazing when, again, it was different. I didn't feel helpless or powerless. I feel I'm able to make certain impact and it's going to be appreciated, right? And from my management support, it's also given me independence and the setting. I was not chained to the desk, right? Right. right. Which again, for some people, it will work. But for me as a parent, I wear different hats. So having some sanity, because if I do not have sanity, if I'm wearing, if I'm wearing chicken with no head, yeah. it's not something that's going to be productive in a therapy room. So noticing my needs. Yeah, absolutely. That is fine. My needs, like putting myself first as is as selfish. It doesn't sound. If we're not putting ourselves first, if we're not showing up for, myself, for ourselves, how are we going to show up for somebody else? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you're going to show up feeling frustrated, resentful, tired, exhausted. You're going like... to be technically, you're going to be in the therapy room, but emotionally, your mind's going to be wonder. Yeah. This, it's all over the place. Thing, that thing, right. Oh, I have to run here. Oh, this thing, right. Yeah. It's not working. Right. So you're not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that your story just really speaks to the power of, like how, how much the environment you're in, and this should be no surprise to almost anybody who's ever worked in any type of organization. Like, I think most people have, regardless of field, they have an example of like an awful job and they have an example of a really great job. And more often than not, at least anecdotally, what you hear about those really bad jobs is 
it might be a little bit about the work, like the tasks that you're doing, but a big part of it is who you're working with, who you're working under all of the systemic things that they have you like pressured under the tasks, low autonomy, all that kind of stuff. So true. So true. Yeah, that's so true. That's so important what you're saying, right? And again, going back how burnout has different factors, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's always to the connection to environment, right? Yep. Yep. We always co-create in the relationship. We're co-creating right now. Yeah. You listening, I disclose the way how you respond. It makes me feeling more comfortable to disclose more vice versa right so we always in co-creating environment right Mm -hmm. in our relationship right in our career right so what's happening on the managerial level right if the management able to satisfy their own needs right and feel more present it's going to have a different dynamic if the management has also pressure on themselves from from the higher up right Mm -hmm. so we, and I experienced that and wow, such a different experience yep. working yep. with there. Yeah. Yeah. That pressure from the top, um, you feel it <laughs> even if you're not directly in contact with the upper management, um, your manager is your supervisor is, and there's, yeah. I mean, I, I've talked about this with my own fiance and other people like that top down pressure right. that that goes on to the people doing the lion's share of the clinical work, right. um, it has such a huge impact. Social right. And if the, again, we are all humans mm-hmm. every minute, whether we're clinician or not, right? we're humans first of all, right? So mm-hmm. again, the setting that we work, the type of work, right? Yeah. It's so important, not only us, as a workers, but also on the managerial level, on upper managerial, right? whether it's a hybrid, um, work environment, right? Or work from home mm-hmm. or working in an office, that's going to be something that's going to be manifested. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. That's going to be something that's going to show up, right? At work. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? Going back, how it's normal, right? Or how when they start working in a crisis call center, right? Wow. That was kind of like a ha moment for me. Mm-hmm because I built such an amazing connection with my uh, teammates, my coworkers, and I start hearing the stories about their burnout, right? They didn't say it was burnout, right? But their stories, uh, whether they work in a substance abuse field, mental health agency, foster care agency has also huge burnout, right? Yes. Uh, I was starting to have some similarities of this story, lack of support, unrealistic expectation, low pay, right? Mm-hmm. Attention to the basic needs, right? And then when I start thinking, oh, wow, okay, that's not something wrong with me. <laughs> that's kind yeah. of common. And that was such a boost of confidence in my clinical skills. First of all, connection with the course, feeling, being appreciated like every day, minute to minute, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, different am- amount of support from the managerial staff, right? But also hearing the stories, this mm-hmm. story has a lot of similarities. <laughs> surprise, yes. surprise. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just so, knowing that you're not alone. I, I know that I alone. felt the same. Yeah. yeah, you're not alone because what ha- what been happening with me, and I think it's, I assume it's also very common, right? I was dealing with this insecurities, self-doubts, right? And I was alone with them. Mm-hmm. And that's 
I've experienced shame and guilt. Oh my God, what's going on? Right? And hearing the stories, right? Yeah. That when the shame subside or when the guilt subside, okay, it's not only you, it's kind of universal experience, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lack of support, right? On this particular field, right? Or the part of any field, right? This doubts, right? This insecurities, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. also gave me a boost and uh, I joined a group private practice because I start seeing myself. Oh, okay, I can help somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You start sort of like when you can break break free from that and start yeah. gaining more clarity. That I've experienced that too. Where like breaking free from environments where I was burning out and then having a clarifying moment for myself of like, wow, I, I mean, I actually am still passionate about this work. It's just some, some conditions are not right for me to be able to do it. Then you can really grow into a role where you feel, you feel good about the work that you do and you feel supported and you feel connected. Yeah. So true. Right. And that's sometimes what you need to do break Mm -hmm. free from this Mm -hmm. certain environment, right. Work try to work in a different environment right or if you cannot break free for whatever reason whether finance financial health care right whatever might be the case or other obligation that you have at least start showing up for yourself right mm-hmm. maybe yeah. it's going to take some money right but again that's going to be such invaluable investment mm-hmm. first yeah. of all, for your emotional wellness right and for your career path yeah yeah, and I mean, we've talked too about just that value of connection. And so like for folks who they can't break free from an environment and they're financially strapped, which is a lot of people in the yeah. field, unfortunately, right. like right. I, I feel like if there is some way for there to be um, a bridge between them and other clinicians, like support groups. And this is something that like I've I've looked for support groups for therapists or like specific right. networking groups, not, not to network and sell yourself, but just like be a professional with other professionals. Yeah. And I have, right. I've, it's been so hard to find that in the places where I've, I've lived and worked. Yeah. It's like, we're showing up for everybody else. Why are we not showing up for each other? Like where, so right. where are these groups for us? So true. So true. What you're saying. Right. And again, I feel so fortunate Right. In a way, it's changed so much as mm-hmm. it used to be like a decade ago, 15 years ago, right? With social media presence and different support on social media, right? Or right. what you're doing, it's so invaluable for clinician, right? Or mental health worker, right? Even if they're not able to go to therapy, if they're not able maybe to connect for various reasons, to have a support group, what you're describing, hearing this podcast, right? And kind of reflecting on yourself or start normalizing, right? Mm-hmm. It's so invaluable and we have so many resources right now due to social media yeah uh, different kind of facebook right instagram like mm-hmm. podcast right mm-hmm. about mental health working with mental health right and i didn't have these resources in my journey right so now in a way with social media present it's more it's not a mystery anymore right for going to the therapy if you're a therapist okay that's that means something wrong with you it's not a mystery it's not shame i think it's actually you're growing as a person you're growing as a professional mm-hmm. you need that to sustain in this field right absolutely it's like going to the gym basically yeah right? yeah you go to the gym right if, if you're mm-hmm. a personal trainer you need to be in some a kind of shape right you need to yeah. work yeah. on yourself right you need to you cannot sit like um, um on a 
couch and watch TV, right? And preach something different <laughs> for mm-hmm. your clients, right? The same as us, right? And now it's more transparency. There is more light to it, right? Because people are talking about these things. This is the real things or challenges, different challenges. People start talking about it. Mm-hmm. People start open up, not only in the kind of secretive way, oh, you know what happened to me in this agency? No, people are talking about systematic issues. Mm-hmm. And it's more open right now. Mm-hmm. And because it's open, we start to normalize it. Yeah. And validate ourselves more. Yeah. Or, Which is, yeah. Right. The fact uh, last year was so much for me, right? Uh, learning experience, growth experience in terms of so many changes was happening in society. I was uh, listening to different podcasts about oppression, uh, reading different books, right? About what does it mean to be a therapist of color, right? What does it mean to be a client of color, right? And working with heterosexual white uh, therapists, right? Mm-hmm. Now I have so much uh, awareness Again, I'm learning every day, right? Mm-hmm. But if I had this awareness back then, oh my God, yeah, it was yeah. so valuable. But again, even society back then was on a different stages, right? With, for example, criminalization of marijuana, right? And being mandated for the treatment because we smoke weed. So because yeah. Health, right? yeah, and it, it's a different story right now. It is. I mean, especially with legalization or decriminalization, like it's... Of course, there are places where that is, it's not in, it's not working the way that um, we hope it would to decriminalize, but the attitudes are shifting. And I, you know, like you mentioning as a society, like we're looking at systemic factors, we're opening that up and examining it and saying like, this has been going on for a very long time and it's not okay. So true. Yeah. Right. True. So yeah. definitely we're building more awareness of systematic factors. So yeah, absolutely. How is it impacting what's going on in the therapy room? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has just been such a, such an enlivening conversation. Um, I mean, it's, it is always fulfilling to me to connect with other clinicians who, I mean, I, I don't like hearing about, <laughs> how anybody has gone through this. And like you said, normalizing it, just talking about it and also trying to encourage people to understand that you ultimately, you can show up for yourself, even in systems of oppression. Like it's, it's not going to necessarily fix the system. um, But there are things that we can do to help each other, to help ourselves um, to show up for ourselves and and try to make right. those and systemic by up changes, for ourselves, right? So by showing up for ourselves, we yeah. contribute to work against for oppression because we're more present. Absolutely, we're more able to give. Yeah, we're more aware. Yeah, that's the hope, at least. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's it's been such a nice thing having you on this show. Like, I feel like a lot of people are going to be able to connect with your story, um, connect with, you know, how you've talked about your identities and your work in a system where you're mandated to report things that you don't want to have to report. Like it's important for people to know that while those things are normal as part of this system, like it's okay to not be okay with the way things work. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank, Thank you, you so much again for the opportunity again. Feeling so humble 
Yeah, of course. To share my story and contribute to this aspect of normalization of things in the mental health space world. Yeah, well, I definitely appreciate it too. I wouldn't be able to do the show without the people who come on. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And I hope that whoever or wherever you are, you can start having more conversations in your circles of support about better ways to support ourselves and to support each other through burnout. If you like today's show, please make sure to head over to wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you left a rating and a review on there to help get the word out. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, I would absolutely love to have you join the Mental Status Patreon community, which is now officially open. When you join Patreon, you'll get access to a supportive community of like-minded mental health professionals, where I will be offering a ton of high-quality, deeper-dive content related to burnout, with everything from patron-exclusive podcast episodes and monthly webinars, to access to the Mental Status Facebook community, Q&A sessions, and more. To join the Patreon community, head on over to patreon.com slash mentalstatuspod and pick the level of support that fits best for you. Again, that is patreon.com slash mentalstatuspod. Thanks so much, y'all. Until next time, take care of yourselves, and I will see you again soon.